0: Hi everyone, I'm Dr. AnimAction, and welcome to the last year in my animated 80s video series. It's been quite the journey, but we finally made it to the finish line. We'll knock this one out, and then I'll do a recap and summary of the decade, followed by my ranking of the years therein. As always, if you love all things animation, make sure to like and subscribe, as those really do help a ton with getting the channel some attention. But now, on with the show. So 1988 was mostly about going bigger, with series that were released targeting a wider age range than those in previous years with the rise of preschool programming, and the expansion into more adaptations of R-rated movies potentially looking to either hook an older audience or retaining the one from earlier years. We also continued the decade's tendency to bring back classic shows and characters, with several returning that year. And finally, as a significant shift in 1988, we got a return of more true animated comedies with very little plot and story that's replaced with slapstick. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it definitely started something. Same as the last few years, there's no change to what's hanging on from the beginning of the decade, with Smurfs from 81 and Alvin, Donald, and Mickey from 83 still on the air. From 84, we still had Muppet Babies and Danger Mouse, and from 85, Gummy Bears, CBS Story Break, The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera, Thundercats, and The Raccoons were still around. Our only holdouts from 1986 were The Real Ghostbusters and The Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show. 87 was still represented by Elf the Animated Series, DuckTales, TMNT, and the Woody Woodpecker Show. And finally, 1988 had the most survivors this year with Elf Tales, Count Duckula, Fantastic Max, Garfield and Friends, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Police Academy, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, David the Gnome, Dr. Snuggles, and This is America, Charlie Brown. Except for a scant few, I didn't see a lot of action on that list, so let's see what we lost here. Well, focusing on action-oriented series, this year we lost The Mysterious Cities of Gold from 1986 and both of our 1987 space westerns with Brave Star and Saber Rider. Then, from 1988, we also lost Cops, the Marvel Action Universe, including Dino Riders and RoboCop, the Ruby Spears Superman, and Robotech. Again. That made for not a lot of action left going into the end of the decade. Did we get anything new to take its place, though? Let's take a look at the 1989 lineup. This year we got a disappointingly light 15 new releases, and it was kind of a mixed bag. Honestly, it feels like we got one or two of everything that I've highlighted throughout the rest of the decade, and things are differentiated enough that I'm not even really able to adequately group a lot of them. I'll do my best to present them in a way that makes some sense and has some analytical interest though, so let's go ahead and dive right in. HBO got a show starring a character from 1931, and Hanna-Barbera released a new series with a character from 1958 into syndication. Babar ran for 65 episodes over the course of five seasons on Home Box Office Network, which is what we called HBO back in the olden days. It's the story of an elephant raised in the city who grows up to have human mannerisms and returns with them to the forest. It's told from the perspective of an older main character sharing the exploits of his youth with his children. This year also saw Hanna-Barbera Productions release Paddington Bear. This was the character's second animated series, with the first airing on the UK's BBC One from 1976 to 1980. The series followed the adventures of a meticulously polite Peruvian bear in his small London neighborhood. Both shows skewed a bit younger, but Paddington was notable for having the always awesome Tim Curry as the voice of the mean neighbor named, appropriately enough, Mr. Curry. There were also a couple of series this year that focused on characters from the much more recent past, specifically from within the same decade. The California Raisins were a marketing campaign designed for sun-made raisins in 1986 that became unexplainably popular. So popular, in fact, that they got their own 13-episode animated series this year on CBS. It follows a musical group comprised of the eponymous raisins as they tour around a world populated with anthropomorphic vegetables. Ironically, it featured the voice actor for TMNT's Rocksteady voicing a character named Bebop, so that's pretty cool. Otherwise, it was the illogical conclusion of the 80s concept of being able to make anything into an animated series. The other comeback from earlier in the decade came in the form of the further adventures of Super Ted, This one also came from Hanna-Barbera and aired on the Disney Channel for 36 episodes. It took the characters and premise from the original Super Ted, which was a Welsh series that aired in the UK from 1982 to 1986, and, as the name implies, continued their adventures as a super-powered teddy bear and friends. Oh yeah, and another series from earlier in the decade made a comeback this year that I should probably mention. The second series of G.I. Joe aired this year, produced now by Deke instead of Sunbow starting with a five-part miniseries, Operation Dragonfire, and running for 44 episodes. This version had all new voice actors for the returning characters, except for Snake Eyes, who was still voiced by the original, and focused on the newer characters and equipment from the 1989 toyline and Newer. And the title card may still say a real American hero, but the theme song lets us all know very clearly that this version of G.I. Joe has become a true international hero. This year also saw the release of another couple of movie adaptations, as well as another series from an SCTV alumni. However, none of this year's adaptations were rated R. Instead, we got animated versions of the PG-rated Beetlejuice from 1988 and the PG-rated Karate Kid from 1984, though the third installment of that series came out this year as well. Beetlejuice picked up right where the movie left off, with the ghosts Adam and Barbara sharing the house with the invading Charles and Delia, though Adam and Barbara don't really appear in the series. This time, though, Lydia has made a fairly unique friendship with the human exorcist, Beetlejuice and the series centers around their hijinks as he tries to help the young girl with the problems teenagers face. It was a clever take on the material, and actually a pretty good show. Also, it had Tim Burton as an executive producer and ran for a pretty huge 94 episodes. Likewise, the Karate Kid animated series keeps Daniel-san and Mr. Miyagi... Miyagi! Sorry, Miyagi, as the main characters. In this series, though, they're on an adventure to reclaim a small magical shrine that was stolen from Tom in Okinawa. They're also joined by a new partner in the form of the Okinawan karate practitioner, Tamurai. The series was pretty great, too, because even though Pat Morita didn't voice Mr. Miyagi, he did do narration at the beginning of each episode from his character's perspective. Unfortunately, it only lasted for a grand total of 13 episodes. The last series to highlight here stars the irreplaceable 80s icon John Candy. Camp Candy was a weird show in which John played himself, but as the owner-slash-head counselor of a summer camp. They usually dealt with him telling camp stories to groups of kids after failing to teach them an outdoor skill, and the stories often centered on ecological messages and John's attempts to keep the camp from failing. This was another weird one, but it was John Candy weird, so that means it was great. We also got two cartoons this year featuring the properties and characters from a small Japanese toy company that had thrown its hat into the video game ring a few years earlier. Nintendo joined the animation scene with one show based on its flagship character and a second that was a team series featuring several characters from its lesser series. Let's first talk about the Super Mario Super Show. This show followed the antics of the brothers Mario as they fought Koopa, saved Peach, and protected the Mushroom Kingdom. The animated sections were broken up by live-action pieces starring Danny Wells as Luigi and the absolutely awesome professional wrestler Captain Lou Albano as his brother Mario, who also voiced their animated versions. The show also featured the first animated version of The Legend of Zelda, running one episode of that series each week. It also, also, featured a special guest star in each episode, most of the episodes, including some 80s greats like Ernie Hudson, Cindy Lauper, Sergeant Slaughter, Magic Johnson, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and even Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Try to watch the intro without having the urge to do the Mario for the next several days. The other series we got built around Nintendo this year was Captain N, the Game Master. This show was the story of a teenager named Kevin and his dog Duke who were zapped into the TV while playing Nintendo to end up in video land as part of the prophecy to become the heroic Captain N. Equipped with a light gun and a game pad that gave him special powers like double jumps and time manipulation, Captain N was joined by a stable of Nintendo characters helping to put a stop to the evil mother brain. Characters like Simon Belmont from Castlevania, Mega Man, and Pip from Kid Icarus joined his struggle against Mother Brain and her henchmen, King Hippo, Eggplant Wizard, and Dr. Wily. It also gave Nintendo an opportunity to have guest appearances by several of their other characters throughout the show's 34 episodes, including the full cast of the aforementioned Zelda cartoon. It's a great series for any classic Nintendo gamer. Another company that in making their presence felt in network animation over the past several years continued their efforts to seize a large chunk of our afternoons this year. Disney's third major network cartoon was released this year with the appearance of Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. This one was another Disney home run, taking the Chipmunk brothers and putting them into a scenario as private investigators, picking up cases the police deemed too small or insignificant. Together with their friends Gadget the Inventor, Monterey Jack the Strong Mouse, and Zipper the Fly, they worked to solve every case from a simple missing pet to a growing soda-obsessed cult, meeting resistance from the evil Fat Cat and his crew along the way. With this release, Disney was almost ready to launch the programming block that would rule weekday after school hours running from 3 to 5 every day. What would be joining this, DuckTales, and Gummy Bears in that legendary set of programming? Well, hopefully I do the animated 90s so I can tell you, because it was easily my favorite of this era of Disney shows. And I'm just going to go ahead and drop the last four series from this year into this single category, as a couple of them were very small and the others were, well, different. I'll start with one that's kind of targeted at a younger audience and did its best to teach lessons about friendship and problem solving. Dink The Little Dinosaur was a Saturday morning series that ran for 21 episodes on CBS and focused on the title character and his dino friends as they dealt with hardships and challenges in their daily lives. It had some notable voice talent in the forms of Nancy Cartwright and Frank Welker, but I never really watched this one so I don't know much more about it. That holds true for the next series in this section also, Rude Dog and the Dweebs. This series was about a group of anthropomorphic dogs that ran a mechanic shop as they tried to balance the responsibilities of doing that with their efforts to keep out of the grasp of the evil cat Seymour and the dog catcher Herman. Oddly enough, voiced by Megatron and Optimus Prime respectively. Or Frank Welker and Peter Cullen, if you prefer. Also, side note, if they lived in a world where dogs were able to run businesses, why was there a dog catcher? Anyway... The show also had Uncle Joey himself, Dave Coulier, as a voice, which built on some significant 80s animation cred the comedian was building up with his other role as a replacement for Peter Venkman in The Real Ghostbusters. The other two series we got this year I have watched, though. Vitor the Starfire Champion is a weird kind of sword and sorcery show about a young hero named Vitor who uses an enchanted shield and glaive like fellow awesome 80s hero Krull to battle an evil warlord who's trying to conquer the world. The series took the He-Man approach of combining magic and technology with a world in the clouds populated by a technologically advanced people, and from whom a princess emerges to join Vitor in his battle. It was kind of a cool show, with a lot of new and interesting ideas, but it was apparently expensive to produce and didn't have a toy line, so it only lasted for four episodes. And the last show from this year, and the decade as a whole, didn't do much better with only five episodes. Ring Raiders was based on a toy line of miniature planes and jets attached to plastic rings. Each of the vehicles in the toy line was adapted into the animated series and fleshed out with its own specific pilot character. The show really kind of fit everything into those five episodes, though, expanding on the toy line by introducing a power that the animated characters could use to transform their planes into more combat-ready forms using their power rings. It also incorporated elements like time travel and personal grudges between the characters. Most importantly, though, it had the single best episode addressing sexism of any cartoon from the entire decade, with the Jenny Gale-centric, the best man for the job is a woman. The animation left a little to be desired, and the character designs weren't the most appealing, but this was an awesome show with a lot to offer. It's pretty close to Lost at this point, but you can find the five episodes on YouTube, and I definitely recommend that you do. As one last little piece that probably deserves a mention here, there's one other cartoon that slipped under the decade finish line. Barely. A little show that you may have heard of called. The Simpsons. That's right, the longest running, most highly awarded show in television history premiered this year as well. Even though it ran as segments of The Tracy Ullman Show starting in 1987, the ongoing standalone Simpsons first aired this year on December 17th. And honestly, if I have to say anything else about The Simpsons, then thanks for watching, but I'm assuming you must have clicked on the channel by accident, as you're probably not an animation fan. Or from the planet Earth. So as is my norm, let's take a minute to talk about where all of these series can be watched as of July 2023. There's a handful of them that can't really be in any official capacity. The California Raisin Show, Camp Candy, The Karate Kid Animated Series, Ring Raiders, and Rude Dog and the Dweebs have all never had official US DVD or streaming releases. I'd say go ahead and try your luck with those on YouTube. Rude Dog has some foreign DVD releases, but they're pretty pricey and they only have a couple of episodes each. Some other shows, like Vitor the Starfire Champion and Captain and the Game Master, did have DVD releases, but they're both out of print at this point, and really freaking expensive. But we do have a couple of series from this year that can be streamed, like Babar on Tubi, and The Further Adventures of Super Ted on Prime Video. Everything else from the year, though, is available on DVD or various streaming platforms including Beetlejuice, Chip and Rescue Rangers, Dink the Little Dinosaur, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, Paddington Bear, and the Super Mario Bros. Super Show. And on that note, we are another year down, and in fact, the entire decade. That's ten full years of absolutely awesome 80s animation. Like the video if you did, and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks for watching, stay tuned, and stay tuned, as in cartoons. Later.